Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. few weeks. We're going to grow together. We're going to learn together. We're going to mature in our faith. Can I get an amen? Hey, by the way, can you guys help me with welcoming every single person watching online right now? We love you. All of our friends and family on YouTube and on Facebook. And uh, and yeah, we love you guys. So, but like I mentioned, the power of practice. See, uh, when it comes to the, the practices that Jesus himself displayed for us in scripture, in the Bible, because that's what we have to work with, right? Uh, we see different type of practices that Jesus made a priority for daily. Not just Sundays, but daily. And we're going to cover them. They, uh, of the practices we're going to cover, um, they can actually be broken up into two different categories. One of them uh, is the, the practices of abstinence, which is basically just self-denial. And that can include just being in solitude and in silence. That can include fasting. That can include just setting yourself apart. Uh, another category is the, is the practices of engagement, which include praying and worshiping and studying the word and just basically trying to be in connection with God. And why we're, why we're focusing over the next few weeks on these different practices is that you become what you practice. And if we want to be like Jesus, we can't just think our way into Christ-likeness. No, we actually have to do different things. We need to adopt his practices. Jesus, uh, at one point, he tells his disciples, don't just hear my words, do them. Because when you do them, then you're like a man who built his house on solid rock. That when a storm came, and better believe in life, storms will come, your house won't be overturned. But if you hear my words and you don't put them into practice, if you don't do them, then you're like a man who built his house on sand. Another translation says you're like a fool who built their house on sand. So that when storms came, your house was blown away. So I don't know about you, but I don't want to be... Jesus pity the fool. I don't want to be the fool. (laughs) I want to be a wise person. I want to live a blessed life. And how do we do that? By becoming more and more like Jesus. So today we're actually going to look into one of these practices when it comes to engagement and abstinence. It's going to be the practice of prayer and solitude and silence. So we're going to cover that today. So if you have your Bibles, why don't you turn with me to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 6. And uh, while you're turning there, why don't you look to your neighbor, tell them, hey, I'm glad to be sitting next to you today. There you go. Yeah, be, come on, be personal. Look to your other neighbor that you ignored at first. Tell them you look good today. Come on, smile at somebody. Hey, all I'm going to say is this. For all my single people, this is a layup. Like, for all my single guys in church, here's what I want to tell you. Brush your hair, iron your clothes, brush your teeth, come prepared for this moment and smile at somebody. Shoot or shoot, you never know what could happen, Right? Exactly. Shoot or shoot. You know what's up. All right. So Matthew chapter 6. If you're there, say amen. All right. Awesome. So we're going to pick up in verse 9. And before we read right now, uh, what we're about to read is actually a very popular passage in Scripture. Even those that weren't raised in the church uh, may have heard a variation of this or have been familiar with this. It's called the Lord's Prayer. So Jesus, at this point, he is teaching his disciples a model to follow for when they pray. So we're going to pick up in verse 9. And the word says, in this manner, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread 
and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And, I, and we're gonna read this last line. I want us to read it together as a church family. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's read that one more time. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen and amen. So church today, as we kick off this series, as we focus on practices that Jesus had, the power in these practices that we can implement in our life. Today, as we talk about prayer, I've titled this message, The Pursuit of Prayer. The pursuit of prayer. So before we continue and before we break this down, let's close our eyes, bow our heads, and ask God to bless this time. So Lord Jesus, we thank you so much. God, thank you that we can worship you. Thank you that we can just speak to you, Lord. Thank you for the privilege we have to pray to you, Jesus. Lord, I pray for every single person here, either here or watching at home or at work, anybody under the sound of my voice, Jesus, that Lord, we wouldn't leave here the same. That God, it wouldn't just be a message from a man, but Lord, it would be something uh, from you, Jesus. That while it's my voice, maybe your words. Jesus, for anybody in here who's discouraged, God, I pray that you encourage them. And for anybody in here who doesn't have clarity in who you are, Jesus, I pray that you would reveal your good nature to them. So Lord, we love you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name and all that Calvary said. And all that Calvary said. Amen. Come on, can we make some noise for Jesus one more time? Let's go. There we go. I like it. I like it. Energy is here today. Let's keep it there. Hey, so um, I've mentioned this a few times uh, from when, I, when I've spoken here on platform. And uh, about a year and a half ago, I picked up the sport of golf. And uh, here's the thing. After a year and a half of playing, I still suck. But all that to say, one of the things I noticed earlier this year is as I was playing, I noticed that I was feeling a little too much discomfort as I was playing. And here's the thing, I've been nursing uh, an injury in my right shoulder for about two or three years, never got it really addressed. You know, I kind of went, you know, to like a physical therapist and I just didn't follow through with it. But because we have some amazing men and women of God in this church, someone referred me to a chiropractor that comes here. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to give it a shot because I also know he does physical therapy. So I go to him and he assesses me and he tells me, hey, the problem that you're dealing with is that you have really bad tendonitis in both of your elbows and your shoulder, it, it's just, you have a really tight ligament. So don't worry, we're going to take care of that. So I go over the next few weeks and let me just tell you, that man then healed me. Like, I'm good now. Like, I can do the, I can do, was it, the dancing chicken or the funky chicken? Like, I have full range of motion in my shoulder. I, I've been healed, everybody, in Jesus' name. <laughs> okay, but let's, fast, let's, let's actually rewind a few weeks ago when I go to my, my monthly appointment and, and he asks me, hey, how are you doing? And I'm like, my brother in Christ, uh, let me just tell you, my elbows hurt again and I'm feeling a little, little tight on my neck. He goes, okay, question, because when he first started treating me, he gave me exercises and he gave me certain movements to do on a daily basis. He asks me, hey, are you doing the exercises? Are you doing the stretches? And I tell him, no, <laughs> like I actually haven't. See, here's the thing. When I first started uh, getting treatment, I'm telling you every single, like he said, do these exercises three times a week. I was doing them every day. Like he was like, hey, all you have to do is get an ice pack and, and put it on your elbows, especially after you're done working out or you're done lifting anything and you to help with the swelling. I had like three styrofoam cups filled with ice just ready to go every single night. My wife's looking at me like I'm crazy. I'm just like, yep, this is, <laughs> this is just what it is. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to heal my elbow. And, and here's the reality is because I started feeling better, I let go of that discipline. 
and I stopped doing what was needed for my health. And although right now I'm talking about my tendonitis, the reality is I just kind of painted the picture for our prayer life. See, there are some of us in here today that when we gave our life to Jesus, when we decided to follow Jesus, we were praying nonstop. We were praying for everything, for everyone, no matter what, all the time. But now we barely have no prayer life at all. If it wasn't for us showing up to church, hopefully on time for the prayer moment we have in the beginning of service, we wouldn't pray at all. We're talking like once a week. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Maybe there's some of us in here today that as you, as you started your relationship with Christ, no one even explained the importance of prayer or how to pray. That we get so intimidated by the idea of prayer that we don't know how to even approach it. That if someone were to ask you, hey, can you pray for us? That you're going to have a panic attack in that moment. It's because no one ever explained to you the magnitude that comes from prayer. Maybe there's some of us in here today that, you know, our schedules get full. We're a business owner. We don't have time to pray. So what's, I mean, the reality is when our, when our life gets busy, one of the first things to get pushed to the side is our prayer life. So I don't have time to just sit around and stand and, and just be still. I don't have time for that. And what happens there is, again, we, we have a non-existent prayer life. But here's a question I'll ask if maybe, maybe you're in any of those categories right now is, okay, what are you doing? A series like this is not only going to show us habits to adopt, but also habits to replace. Because, yeah, you may, you may feel too busy in the morning to pray, but the question is, how late were you up the night before? Or instead of praying, were you watching Netflix? Or instead of praying, were you on TikTok or Instagram? Like, again, I don't mean to, get, I don't mean to step on some toes here, but the reality is, is that... <laughs> but the reality is, before we can adopt habits, we need to replace habits. We need, to, we need to look at ourselves and see what is it that we are doing currently. Like, and, and don't get me wrong, like, spending time with your spouse watching Netflix, that's not bad. That's what you're, you know, you know what I mean? Do, do you, boo-boo. Like, doing these things, are, like, these, these habits that we have in our life are not bad in and of themselves. But there are some that are better. Like, there are some habits, the habits that we can adopt, the habits that we're going to study over the next few weeks that we can adopt into our lives that are going to be better than the ones we currently have or or maybe you're in here today and uh you you would consider yourself a prayer warrior like you you prayed and you prayed and you prayed and maybe you had a situation in your life where you prayed for a family member who was really sick and or maybe you had a situation in your in your marriage where like you prayed to god that he would bring healing in your family and healing in your marriage but he didn't quite answer it how you expected him to or he hasn't answered it on your timing. What can easily happen there is we begin to question, God, are you even that good? We, we get into this cycle of becoming cynical. We have this pessimistic view of God saying, God, you're really not that good as you say you are. Are you really all powerful because you didn't heal my friend from cancer? Are you really that good because now I just signed some divorce papers? Are you really a provider because I'm drowning in debt right now? And I don't see myself getting out of it. We fall, into these, we fall into these cycles of becoming cynical and we become passive and we feel so distant from God. Our faith hinders. We lose faith in him. And when that happens, better believe our hope is diminished. And it's like, why even bother? As I was preparing for today, a theologian by the name of David Campbell, he says, well, what can happen in those situations is that we reduce ourselves to a passive form of religious fatalism. What that means is 
we start asking those questions, why even bother? Like, God, you, you know the beginning from the end, so what am I going to pray for? You, you know that, you know, you, your, body, your word says that you work all things out for the good of those that are called, right? But So why, why am I going to even bother praying right now? Is it even that important? Is there any significance behind it? And my friend, I'll tell you, that's a very dangerous place to be. And I say that because I've been there myself. I'm not here just trying to project this onto anyone. I know what it feels like when God doesn't answer a prayer how you expect him to. I know what it feels like that when you've been praying over and over and over again, nonstop, and you still haven't seen any progress. But the reality is, God, we, what, what we have to do is get to a place where we say, you know what, God, I'm going to trust you anyway. And God, even though it's not on my timing, I still know that you do know the beginning from the end. And even though it's not on my, like by my expectations, your word says this, so I'm going to believe you at your word, not based off of what I project to you. And again, when we fall into these cycles, we just feel distant from God. And what ends up happening there when we have no hope is we just become passive in life become passive in our marriages. We become passive in our relationships, passive in our workplaces, passive with our children, passive when it comes to our schoolwork, passive when it comes to, passive when it comes to God. And, that, and what happens there? Nothing's ever good enough. Nothing ever lives to our expectations. Our kids aren't good enough. Our families aren't good enough. Our spouse isn't good enough. I'm not good enough. God is not good enough. And we just, we just end up in this cycle where we feel stuck in our faith. We feel, we feel like we're hitting a wall that we just can't seem to get past. I'll say it this way. By not having a lack of prayer, you have disconnection from God. And what happens with disconnection is that it results in discontentment. Disconnection results in discontentment. See, we have an enemy of the soul. His name is Satan. I don't say that to glorify him. I don't say that any, for no other reason because that guy's a chump. But I say all of that because since we have an enemy of the soul, he also has tactics against us so that we don't walk into that fullness, that Zoe life that Jesus has intended for us. That we don't walk into every blessing and every promise that God has for us. And part of his strategy is to persuade believers, to persuade us that prayer does not matter. Because prayer is the the clearest and easiest way to grow in our depth and knowledge of God, to be more like Jesus. So if, it, if it's supposed to be a good thing, then he's going to do everything possible to block us from that. He knows what God wants. So God wants relationship with us. God wants us to pray to him. So he will do everything possible to make sure he can take that from him. And again, that's a, that's a dangerous place to be in. And look, as we talk about prayer today, maybe, you know, I've said this word, I don't even know how many times. I don't know the word count at this point for prayers. I'm going to keep on saying it. But as we talk about prayer, maybe you're here today and you're like, okay, I get it. I get, I get the, the point you're trying to make here, but what is prayer? Okay, let's, let's, let's have clear definitions here so we're all on the same page. Simply put, prayer is direct connection, communication, and interaction with God. It's a direct communication with him reverently, openly, sincerely. It's... Like, it's a privilege to be able to pray to God. Like, if right now I wanted to call somebody who's famous or to call someone who's in high regard, I don't have their phone number. Like, I'm going to have to jump through hoops and ladders to be able to do that. And they probably have a PR person in between. But think of it this way, that, with, that because of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, we have a direct connection with God the Father, the creator of the universe, the magnificent, powerful, all-present, all-knowing God of the universe. And what a privilege that is. That should elicit us to want to communicate to him 
alone. Just the honor to be able to approach him with no barrier. Nothing, there's no distance between us. We sing about that. Like, we can be with God in communion with him through our prayer. But also let's talk about what prayer is not. Because what can easily happen is that we deceive ourselves and we do things that look like prayer and we say things that look like prayer, but they're not prayer, right? So Jesus, as he gives his disciples this model from the Lord's Prayer, right, as, as he's teaching them how to pray, actually a couple of verse prior, verses prior, he talks about what, is not, what not to do. So actually in Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, it says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. So let's think about that in real time. We come into church on a Sunday. We have our prayer moment in the beginning of the service. And what can easily happen is that we fool ourselves and we're like, you know what? God, come through, be here in this place. And we'll be on our knees or we'll be prostrate and we're, and we're just creating a spectacle just so that other people can think we're more spiritual. Oof, you know what I mean? It's, it's kind of deep, it's kind of hard, right? We can fool ourselves thinking that we can manipulate God just based off of our actions. Right? But let's actually skip a verse. Verse 7, it says, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. So repeating words over and over and over again, you know, just saying the same thing over and over again. My friends, sounds like prayer, but it's not prayer. Going into, going into a dark room and sitting down on a pillow and with your legs crossed and, and you're clearing your mind and you, you, you lit up an incense and you went ahead and you're playing some tranquil music and you're just trying to clear your mind from every thought. My friend, that's not prayer. That's a lot of action. That's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of new, new age stuff, but that's not prayer. Or maybe you're, you're just chanting mantras over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. My friend, that is not prayer. See, prayer is all about getting into the the presence of God. See, prayer is actually a posture in our heart. See, Jesus is not so much focused on the words that leave our mouth. He's not so focused on the position or the posture of our body. He is more focused on the posture and the position and the desire that's in our heart. When, when God hears our prayers, yeah, he hears us and he's not deaf to us, but he's looking at our heart. And if your prayer is more focused on what God can do for you as opposed to just being with God, then my friend, you're doing it all wrong. See, when we focus on, and don't get me wrong, God wants to bless you. God, God hears us. He wants to fulfill our every desire. But if we, look at, if we look at multiple times in the Bible, it says, seek first the kingdom. Like delight in the Lord, and then he'll fulfill the desires of your heart. So when we focus on what he can do, we focus on his hands, which again, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. But forget about his hands. Let's focus on his face. Forget about the, the provision. Focus on the presence. Don't get caught up in your system. Get caught up in our Savior. Are you hearing me? Like, let's not just focus on what we do when we pray, but let's focus on why we're praying. And that's exactly what God is looking at. See, some of us here today, we've, we've, been, we've been fooling ourselves and saying, you know what? I'm just, I'm praying to God and I know he's going to move and God is good all the time and all the time, all, God is good. But in our heart, it, we don't believe that. It's, Jesus doesn't want lip service. He doesn't want empty words. He doesn't want empty phrases. No, he, he wants your heart. He wants, he wants you to desire him. He wants you to be in his presence. 
But now that we talked about the what and the what not, let's talk about the how, right? Because how do you pray? Like a lot of us, maybe that's the first, that's like maybe the reason why we don't is because we don't know how to pray. There's different postures to pray. There's different ways to pray. You can pray in, you can pray in scripture. You could, you know, just pray thanking God. You can pray asking, like there's so many different ways to pray. But here's what I'm going to just tell you. The best way to pray is the one that works for you. What does that mean? That means there's so many different ways to pray. There's, there's some people in here today, they would consider themselves a prayer warrior. They can go into a room. They can go, they can lock themselves up in the closet. They can be there for half an hour, an hour, for all day if they wanted to. And they can just pray to God the entire time. Amazing. There's other people that maybe that doesn't work for them. Either they're claustrophobic or whatever the case may be. And they go out for a walk and they actually, they are in communion with God and praying for him as they enjoy his creation, as they enjoy nature. Beautiful. If you're like me, you don't have the attention span for any of that. So what works for me personally is that I may not be able to dedicate 20 minutes, half an hour at a given time. But what I do is I'll carve out 10 minutes. I'll carve out 15 minutes and make sure that I'm praying. But I'll do it more sporadically throughout the day. Well, again, when it comes to prayer, how you do it is whatever works for you. The action in and of itself means nothing if the heart behind it isn't there. Focus on what works for you. And here's the thing. Maybe you haven't found that rhythm yet. And that's the reason why you haven't, you haven't developed a prayer life. Here's what I want to tell you. Just do it. Like Nike check. You know what I mean? Just like, just do it. Just pray. Start somewhere and find what works for you. In the same way that when it comes to my relationship with my wife, how I, how I want to be communicated to is not how she wants to be communicated to. So for me to be able to make sure that we are always on the same page, I have to be intentional with understanding what works for me and how I need to communicate to her. In the same way, we need to be intentional when it comes to our prayer life so that we can see not only what works for God based on what he wants in prayer, but also what works for us so that we can communicate clearly to him in prayer are you hearing me again just do it and here's the thing when it comes when it comes to prayer why is this so important why is this a practice we want to to talk about why is this a powerful practice because Jesus did it Jesus made it a priority to pray before everything else Jesus embraced silence and solitude above everything else no matter what so with that alone if we want to become like Jesus we need to adopt his lifestyle. See, in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he what? He prayed. I don't know about you, but on my days off, I can sleep into noon, no problem. <laughs> but maybe for us, this is right here the first problem. We need to get rid of the habit of oversleeping and replace it with waking up early to pray. See, a lot of us, we're so, we're so bombarded by the noise of everyday life, the noise of the world. There's noise everywhere, on Instagram, at work, wherever you go. All we have is noise, 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 noise. We need to embrace the silence. Find a solitary place. And mind you, you don't maybe even have to be alone physically to be in a solitary place. It's, just, it's legitimately putting yourself in a posture where it's just you and God. Just you in his presence. Just you and just soaking in just his presence and being able to just look upon his majesty and focusing on that alone. See, when Jesus first started off his ministry and he was baptized and we see that story of when the heavens opened and when the spirit of the Lord descended, we see it in Luke chapter 3. 
what ha- while all that was happening, it says, while he prayed. Right, when Jesus, his ministry was kicking off and he was getting more notoriety and people were coming to him. In Luke chapter 5, we see in Luke chapter 5 verse 15, it says, Yet the news about him spread all the more so that the crowds of people came to him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus did what? He often withdrew to lonely places and he what? He prayed. So maybe for us, we just need to just carve out that time. That's a habit in and of itself. Spend less time on Instagram. Spend less time on TikTok. Spend less time overeating. Spend less time playing Call of Duty. And take out the time and replace that bad habit. Or, you know, again, it's not even a bad habit. It's not even a terrible habit. It's a good habit. You know, have discipline in your life. But replace it with a, an even better one. That's, what, that, that's how we're going to become more and more like Jesus. Even on the night where Jesus was betrayed, the Bible tells us that when he was in the garden, he prayed most earnestly. And he told his disciples, don't fall asleep, pray. A lot of us, we need to not fall asleep. (laughs) We just need to stay awake, stay alert, and pray. See, if we want to step into the fullness of life, we want to step into all the blessing God has for us. If we want to be more like Jesus, we need to pray. We need to do what 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 says, and that's to rejoice always and to pray without ceasing. I'll say it this way. Don't don't, Don't live life in half prayer. Live a life of prayer. Don't live life in half prayer. Live a life of prayer. And mind you, this isn't a license to, to just do nothing. This isn't a license to just, just only pray for the rest of your life. No, 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 no. That's, that's not what I'm saying here. Don't be so heavenly minded that you're worldly good. That you're, you're no worldly good. But what I am saying is that when we pray... And the more that we pray, it's actually the most productive thing that we can do because what we're doing is, again, we're going, we're, we're going hand in hand with God. Whatever it is that we need, whatever it is that we're going through, he's going to be with us in the middle of it all. So when it comes to prayer, going back to the text that we read earlier, there's actually four things that we can see here that happens when we pray. And these are also reasons why we should pray. And the first reason is that it reveals God's heart. It reveals God's heart. Again, going back to the text we read earlier, it says, our Father in heaven. Jesus didn't say my Father. He didn't say your Father. He said, our Father in heaven. In the everyday language of that time, it was the word Abba. In Aramaic, the word Abba is that word Father. And it's a very, it's a very endearing way of saying Dad. It's a very intimate and personal way of saying Father. So all that to say, when we pray, we see God's heart. His heart is that he wants to be in relationship with us. God's heart is towards you. God's heart is for people. God's heart is for you to be in relationship with him. In John chapter 17, verse 3, Jesus says that this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. The word know, we read it in English, but in Greek, it was the word gnosko, which is, again, of, to know someone intimately and personally, very similar to the way that a man knows his wife. Jesus, by saying our Father and making it very clear, that's how we're to approach God as our Heavenly Father. He's inviting us into the authority, into the warmth, into the comfort, into the intimacy that comes from only a loving and caring Father. And that's what Jesus wants for us. That's what God desires is to be with us. And maybe you're intimidated by prayer. You haven't, you haven't developed a prayer life because you don't know how to approach God. Maybe, maybe you approach your parents very timidly for whatever reason. But here's what I'll say. Don't, don't 
project how your earthly father has been to your heavenly father right God is perfect God is good God is holy God is faithful he's not gonna if you ask him for something he's not gonna give you something else he's gonna give you what you need again he God is not this impersonal force in the galaxy no he is a personal God he's a loving and caring father he is a God of relationship and he is inviting all of us to be in relationship with him. And in prayer, we, be, we get more in relationship with him. We become one with the Father. God is all about communion with him. Actually, when God refers to his people, he refers to us as his family. Man, what a blessing that is that we get to be a part of God's family. See, when we pray, the reality is God is there. Like he's not far from us, right? When we pray, it doesn't draw God closer to us. It draws us closer to him. The second thing that we see in prayer is that it establishes God's will. It establishes God's will. Going back to the text, it says, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When it comes to God's will and when it comes to prayer, it's all about bringing glory to God. It's all about being in line with what his plans are. And the more that we pray is the more that we see more of ourselves and see our faults and then we see what God's plan plans are and prayer just aligns as it gets us back on track with what his plans are and what's that that he be glorified and that his will be done see a lot of us we we pray prayers and here's what I'll tell you if it starts and ends with you that's probably not in God's will because it's a selfish prayer an example of that hey God you know it's me again you know, you're good all the time and all the time you're good. Um, can you just bless me with a million bucks? All right, peace, I'll see you next week, all right? That's, that's one example, that's a selfish prayer, a selfless prayer, same context, right? It's like, God, you're good all the time and all the time you're good. And Lord, I just ask that right now that you would bless me with a million dollars. And God, I trust you and I believe in you and I thank you, in Jesus' name, right? See, the difference is not necessarily the words, right? But the difference is the posture of the heart because on one end, maybe you're praying for a million bucks just so you can own every Yeezy or a bunch of Teslas. Or on the other end, you're praying for a million bucks so that you can be obviously financially stable, but so that also you can bless others around you. So that you can be able to sow seed into the church. So that you can be able to help your neighbor who's in need. That's the difference between two. It's not the words, it's the posture of your heart. See, when it comes to prayer, the reality is this, that God gets all the glory, we get all the joy. God gets all the glory, we get all the joy. And the more that we praise, the more that he shows us what his plans are for our life. So not only does he reveal his heart, not only does he establish his will, but he also gives us direction. In prayer, God also gives us direction. So here's the, here's the thing. Um, we can say, here, here are the directions to Hialeah. You're gonna take 874 north and then you're gonna get off on Northwest 103rd. Cool, we know the direction and that's God's will. We know God's will, but the real question is, are we going to walk in that direction? Are we gonna go in that direction? Because if we do things our own way, even though we know God's will, then we're gonna end up in Cutler Bay. You know what I mean? Like that, if we don't follow his direction, then knowing his will is great. It's just information, but there's no application behind it. And we see that in the text in Matthew chapter 6, verse 11, where it says, Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into, te into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. If you want to know how you can step into the fullness of life and the blessing that Jesus has for you, here's the formula. 
Rely on God daily as your provider. Forgive people who have wronged you. Get that bitterness out of your heart. And make sure that you don't do anything or say anything that would cause you to offend him, to sin against him. So what does that mean? That means as we pray to God, Lord, I'm going to trust you with today. I pray, I pray, Lord, that you would provide for me and I believe that you will. And the more that we pray, God, I pray that you would take this bitterness out of my heart. That, God, I pray blessing over this person that wronged me, no matter how hard it is. And the more that we pray, Jesus, you know what? I don't want to offend you anymore. If there's anything I've done, reveal it to me. Put a spotlight on my heart so that I may not offend you ever again. A repentant heart. Then we see where God wants to take us. And then we're walking in God's direction and living out the will he has for our lives. See, when it comes down to, when it comes to, down to our desires, yeah, we can go ahead and we can make all the plans in the world. We can have all these desires, but... Again, are we going to submit to God's will and are we going to follow in that direction? Proverbs chapter 16 verse 9 says, Man plans out his steps. Man, The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. We got to walk in God's will. So the first thing is we see God's heart. We, his will is established. He gives us direction. And the last thing is that when it comes to prayer, it just builds up our faith. Simple as that. Builds up our faith. Going back to that last text that we read together in, in verse 13, it says, For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's read that one more time together as a church. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You can't, you can't say that and mean that unless you have faith in God. It's really hard to say that and mean that in your heart if, you're, if you don't even believe that God is all-powerful. And that he deserves all the glory. It's really hard to get that. But the more that we pray, the more that we understand the magnitude of prayer and the power of prayer and what prayer really does, not only for us, but for those around us, the more we will pray. And the more that we pray and we see how God is moving, and not only in our lives, but the lives of people around us, then it's like, man, Jesus, I trust you no matter what. You've taken me out of way worse. You've healed this person. So, Lord, I'm going to trust you for healing. I'm going to trust you for provision. I'm going to trust you for bringing in a job. I'm going to trust you for whatever it is. You're going to walk around with a swagger, with a boldness. We would be able to do what Hebrews chapter 4 says when it says that let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence, with boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So why pray? Because your faith will be built up. And as your faith is built up, you're going to pray more. And as you pray more, you're going to see God move more. And as you see God move more, then man, it's just a blessing to be able to see how he's working. And our lives will be better. Our lives will be blessed. Our families will be blessed. And we'll have the right view of God. And we will be in the peace that comes from being in communion with Him. So when it comes to prayer, just do it. No matter what the situation is. If you have a headache, pray. If you have a backache, pray. If you're sick, pray. Doesn't matter how small it is. If you want the line at Chick-fil-A to be short, pray. If you want the ice cream machine to work at McDonald's, pray. Even in an impossible situation, stage four cancer, pray. Heart disease, pray. You're about to go into a meeting with somebody and it's gonna be hard, pray. Are you on the way to sign those divorce papers? Pray. Are you literally one hour away from about to put your home in foreclosure? Pray. And I say all this because I know prayer works. 
I know the power of prayer. And I say this passionately because I, I myself, I'm a product of prayer. See, for those that don't know my story, in 2014, I had the worst year of my life. Every single day, literally for a year, I thought about killing myself. Every single day, I thought about just ending my life. And here's the thing. Every single time it got really, really close, that it was just about to happen. No matter what time it was, 5 p.m., 3 a.m., 2 a.m., 11 p.m., no matter what time it was, I would receive a text message. And the person that was texting me is now my mother-in-law, but was at that time my ex-girlfriend's mom. Hear me out. I'm in a different state. I'm her daughter's ex-boyfriend. But yet she would text me every single time that it was about to happen and say, you know what, I don't know what you're going through right now. I don't know what you're dealing with, but I just want to tell you I'm praying for you. And I believe in you. And God wants me to tell you that he loves you. And he wants to know you. Let me tell you something. This woman right here, she understood God's heart. That even though she, she could have had nothing to do with me, she understood God's heart was for me. She understood that God's will was for, was for her to be obedient and to pray without ceasing. She followed in that direction because how many of us have said, hey, I'm going to pray for you, but don't do it. How many of us have said, hey, I know who I should pray for, but I'm just, I just haven't. And then on top of that, she knew that by that, her faith would be empowered. So look, whenever my mother-in-law says she's praying for something, better believe it's going to happen. <laughs> I trust it. Even in my own personal life, every single year here at Calvary, we have 21 days of prayer and fasting where we intentionally take out time and say, you know what, Jesus, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to pray for you. And I remember coming here year after year after year and I would pray for my sister. See, for those that don't know, my sister is my best friend in the world. She was the best friend of our wedding. And at that time, she was dating someone that was no good. And I remember every single day praying like, God, Lord, may you bless her with a man of God that loves you. A God, that, a man that, a man that will uh, actually be able to build a family with her. That she would serve you. That she would come to you. That, Lord, that she would, she would have a relationship with you. And I remember praying after, praying after year, after year, after year, after year. And I didn't give up. And now, lo and behold, here we are now, 2022. And besides the fact I get to serve alongside my brother-in-law, who's an amazing man of God that I love so much, I get to serve alongside my sister. And even next year, I get to go ahead and next week, I get to celebrate my nephew's first birthday. Don't tell me prayer doesn't work because God wants to hear your prayers. into practice why don't we start right now why don't we just have a moment of prayer if we can all just close our eyes and bow our heads let's just take a moment and just reflect on the goodness of God and I want us all to pray and there's a posture of prayer that we can take right now where we have our hands out with our palms up this is a posture of receiving why don't you receive from God right now why don't you don't wait on me to lead you in this why don't you pray to him right now he wants to bless you pray blessing over your life Pray blessing over your family. Pray blessing over your finances. Pray blessing over your neighbor. Pray blessing. Pray, pray healing over yourself. He hears you. He's not deaf to you. There is power in prayer. So Lord Jesus, we thank you so much, God. We thank you for your goodness and your grace once again. 
Lord, we thank you that you are good and that you are faithful, that you hear us, Jesus. Lord, I pray for every single person here under the sound of my voice, Jesus, that we wouldn't look to you as some impersonal being, God, but that we would approach you, God, with confidence, God, as our Father in heaven, Jesus, that we would align our lives to your will, Jesus, that, God, that we would take steps moving forward in your will, Jesus, and that our faith would be built up, God, not only for us, but for those around us, Jesus. Lord, I pray blessing and anointing over every single person here under the sound of my voice, whether they're here in the room or at home, wherever they're at, Jesus. I just pray, God, that you would just move on behalf of your people, that your spirit would move and minister in this time, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name that we pray. Amen and amen. And we're going to leave right now, but with eyes still closed and heads still bowed, I want to give another opportunity here for maybe someone that you hear this message and you're like, man, I love this idea of praying, but I don't have a relationship with God. I don't have this connection with Him. I don't know how to make this work. I want to give you an opportunity to start a relationship with Jesus. The reality is that you are literally one prayer away from spending eternity with Him. See, the Bible tells us that God is holy. And because He's holy, He can't be without sin. And here's the reality, all of us are born into sin. I'm a sinner, you're a sinner. None of us are perfect here. We all have fallen short of God's standard. And because there's no way that we can ever earn our way to Him, that's why Jesus came down to us. Fully man and fully God, He lived a blameless life. He fulfilled that standard that you and I could never do on our own. And Jesus, He gave Himself up for you and I. That's why we celebrate today, Communion Sunday, that See, the reality is, is that the, the, the wages, the price of sin is death. So there has to be, there, the price needs to be paid, but Jesus, being perfect, being fully man, fully God, He gave Himself up for us. He, he was sacrificed on a cross. He was, he was spat on. He was humiliated. He was stabbed. He was punched. He was bruised. And, and He did this all with you and I in mind. So that all we would need to do is simply believe in our heart and declare in our mouth that He is the Son of God and that He rose from the dead three days later to defeat the sting of death so that we would spend eternity with Him. That the day of tomorrow, that if we were to die and take our last breath here on earth, we will take our first breath in eternity with Him. And if that's you here today and you want to make that decision and you want to start a relationship with God and, and commit yourself to Him or maybe you've prayed a prayer like this before and you feel so distant from Him and you want to you want to recommit yourself to him, I want to give you an opportunity to respond right now. So with eyes still closed and heads still bowed, if that's you here today, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to put your hand up. I'm not going to embarrass you or nothing like that. I just want to acknowledge who I'm praying for. So if that's you here today, on the count of three, you can put your hand up. One, God loves you. Two, your life will never be the same again. And three, if that's you, you can put your hand up. You can put it right back down. God bless you. I see you. God bless you. I see you. I see you on the side. God bless you. I see you. Amen. God bless you. And if you made that decision here today, what I want to do is I want to lead you in a prayer. Again, it's just conversation with God. It's not a prayer to a pastor, to a church. It's with Him. And I just want to facilitate it for you. And so repeat after me prayer. And because we're a church family, we're all going to say it together. So repeat after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God, that you died for my sins, and on the third day, you resurrected. Come into my life, be my Lord, and be my savior. From today on, I am saved, I am healed, and I'm forgiven, and I will follow you all the days of my life. Jesus, I love you, 
and I thank you. And it's in Jesus' name and all the Calvary said, amen and amen. Come on, church, can we put our hands together for everybody making that decision one more time? Amen. Hey, if you made that decision today, I just want to tell you I'm proud of you. I'm so happy for you. It's the best decision you can ever make. And, and here's the thing, we have, a, we have a free gift for you if you made that decision. Thank you so much, Kevin. We want to give you a free Bible. See, as soon as you leave uh, the front doors, you're going to see some amazing Dream Team members in our Connect tent waving these around. Get this in your hand. Like, if you want to know God's heart, even in prayer, like, get, read His Word. This is, this is what He has to say to you. So make sure you get this in your hand. We want to pray for you, be a resource to you, and uh, make sure you do not leave out of here without one. And if you're watching online and you made that decision, go ahead and text the site at 33222, and we'll send you a free Bible in the mail. But church, can we put our hands together one more time for everybody that made that decision? Thank you so much. Hey, so my hope and my prayer, church, is that we wouldn't just let our prayer life happen only on a Sunday, but we would be intentional on a Monday, on a Tuesday, and every other day of the week that we would look at our habits and replace it, replace them with even better ones. So let's be in prayer that we can know God's heart, know his will, get direction from him, and that our faith will be built up. But we're going to leave out of here worshiping him about how great our God is one more time. But before we do, let's lift up our hands and let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much once again, Lord. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your majesty. And Jesus, I pray that you just continue to have your way in our lives, God, that we would look to the left or the right, but instead we would always look to you as the author and perfecter of our faith. So Jesus, I pray that you would just go before us this week, protect us, bless our country, and have your way. 